0: Hello, everybody. I'm Phil Brandt, President and CEO of AIM Employers Association, and welcome to This Week at Work.
1: Welcome to the only show about the workplace that offers you front row seats and a microphone, bringing you practical, timely, and accurate insights so that you can more effectively lead your organization. It's Thursday, February 2nd, Episode 216. Today, we talk about sourcing and how to navigate your way to the right talent. The perfect fit for your opening is out there, but every wrong turn wastes time, burns resources, and increases your chances of getting lost along the way. Chris Kefell, HR Business Manager at AIM, joins us to offer insights into what methods our HR by the Hour team is implementing to successfully source talent. Look who's back, it's Bert, and he's going to let us peek inside his briefcase, which is full of breaking news and employment law. Remember to grab the mic anytime send us your questions and take the poll. All this and more on This Week at Work.
0: Thank you for joining us again. And it is cold, but warming up, but not as much as Bert Garland's going to warm your hearts. Welcome back, Bert. We're so happy to have you back on the program. How was your trial? We're excited to hear about it.
2: Well, trial trial is quite an experience, Phil. It is uh, it, it, it's not something for the faint of heart. We ended up uh, having almost a full two week uh, trial in federal court here in downtown St. Louis on a nasty trade secrets case. I am happy to report that we prevailed on 24 God. of our 25 counts, although our victory is a little bit tempered because we did not cover uh, recover the amount of damages we had hoped to recover. But we were successful in uh, Vindicating our client and uh, uh, some other other positive results in the case. We just were a little light on our damages, but uh, all in all, uh, happy to be back. I'm I'm done with those uh, 16 to 18 hour days for 23 days in a row.
0: Yeah, it looks like you. Uh, no one brought you a razor or anything. You got your mountain man <laughs> shirt on. You're you're, yep. you're going back to our COVID look here. I don't know Exactly. you and Chris. Maybe Chris is going to take you deer hunting or something like that uh, <laughs> up in Michigan. He likes to go deer hunting up in Michigan. All right, so uh, Bert, Tom did a great job. I know he idolizes you a little bit. I could tell he first came on the program. He had a little beard uh, shave look or unshaved look going, and then uh, you know, he made fun of you a lot. I, I gotta tell you that. Um, I tried to have your back the best I could, but he was really making fun of you. But he did a good job. And I hope the team at Ogletree uh gives him a nice pat on the back. I know I will uh when we see him and we enjoyed having him on the program. But nothing like our buddy Bert being back on the program. We got a good show today. Phil, um, Phil,
2: I, I did hear from Tom if 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 I have friends like you having my back, I certainly don't need enemies, yeah. from what I heard <laughs> from Tom.
0: Yeah, that's that might be the case, Bert. Um, but you know, I—I I know I've listened to the program when I'm not on, and it's just paybacks. And you know what they say about those. Uh, all right. Hey, Nick, I think you got a, a little treat for Bert, don't you?
1: I do. Dude, just sit back and relax and enjoy the show.
2: Oh boy. Did you order the code red? You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You to. want
3: answers? I want the truth.
2: You can't
0: handle the truth. Bert, that's the vision I have right there.
2: Exactly, there you go. (laughs) It was something like that.
0: (laughs) Excellent, great job there, uh, producer Nick. Uh, Anything else you wanna show us? I'm afraid of of the next one. I know you said you had a second surprise.
1: Well, it is a special day out there, Phil, and and maybe we're going to the well one too many times, but uh, here we go.
3: Phil? Hey, Phil? Phil? (laughs) Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I love that.
0: (laughs) Groundhog day today, right? We got our groundhog. Um, right back here on the screen behind us, and uh,
2: he's looking a little threatening over your shoulder there, Phil. He's ready yeah, to You know,
0: I, it, I I prefer the white squirrel, the rally squirrel that we had, our COVID <laughs> friend, but uh, not not the the groundhog is a little scary there. But nevertheless, today's Groundhog Day, so um, I I don't know what you're hoping for, but I I sure hope summer gets here quicker than not, and uh, let's uh, let's hope for something good there, uh, a little bit of fun with that. All right, so we have a poll question for everyone today. And let's let's see here where my poll question is. Give me one second. How about I bail you out well, a
1: little bit here, Phil? The poll ahead, question today is, what is the biggest problem recruiters face? And we have some options here. We have the talent is not available, standing out amongst all the noise. We also have competing with other companies, accurately evaluating candidates, understanding what management really wants and finally time and resources
0: and we love the comments as always Um, I know that uh, we always have some fan favorites and uh, I enjoy the inside of those comments Um, so all right let's get started Bert is back we got some really important things to talk about with our six minutes of lawyer on the clock Bert are you ready
2: I'm ready Phil let's do it
0: let's kick it off Nick
1: all right it's time to look into what's trending in employment law lawyer you're on the the clock clock.
2: all right so we've got uh four topics i want to cover today the first is dealing with uh the illinois paid leave for all workers act on january 10 governor pritzker for our friends over in illinois uh signed a bill called the plfaw act again paid leave for all workers act it's set to take effect January 1 of 2024, so we've got time to prepare for it. You'll hear me talk about it again as the day gets closer, but for now, just know that Illinois joins Maine and Nevada is the third state to require private employers to provide employees with earned paid leave that can be used for any reason. What this specifically does is it gives employees up to 40 hours of paid leave during a 12 month period that they can take for any reason. And while unused leave will carry over year to year, employers are not required to provide more than 40 hours of paid leave in each designated 12 month period. Employers alternatively may front load 40 hours of leave at the the beginning of each 12 month period. If they do so, carryover will not be required. Very importantly under this new law, paid leave, quote, may be taken by an employee for any reason of the employee's choosing, end quote. And very importantly, the employer cannot require that an employee explain the reason for leave or provide documentation in support of it. If the need for leave is foreseeable, an employee will need to provide at least seven days notice of the leave. If it's unforeseeable, employees will need to provide notice as soon as practical. The uh, upshot for this, I think, is is that under this uh, new law over in Illinois, it may actually uh, end up, well, maybe it's not an upshot, a downshot for this is that it may end up actually uh, penalizing employees because employers may scale back the leaves that they actually offer to employees. I doubt that'll happen in too many circumstances. The upshot of this law is, is that most employers offer leaves in excess of what this law requires. And so it's probably not going to have to uh, uh, be adjusted too much, okay? So
0: so when we think about that first, like your, your PTO vacation policy, um, that may be part of the leave or may indeed be the leave that you need to provide. It just might, um, you might have to change your policy as to when you allow the leave or the requirements uh, in taking the leave. Correct. Um, That's one exactly One thing that comes right. to mind. The thing yep. that is interesting about that when i was reading it was the um you can't you the employee is not required to tell you about it but they need to ask in advance if possible um but as an employer you can say well why didn't you ask in advance the employee and go you know i really um i just want to exp- use my rights not to
2: yep. discuss it." exactly that's yeah. that's that's right i i think you you nailed the difficulty there it's going to look Uh, somewhat like uh, FMLA in that respect, that you have to give notice uh, 30 days in advance if it's foreseeable, if it's not foreseeable, you have to give notice uh, as soon as practicable. But I agree with you, Phil, that uh, the ability of the employer to really push here and determine whether the leave was foreseeable or not is going to be difficult. We'll have to see how this new law shakes out.
0: All right. And there'll be more to come on that. I'm sure we'll discuss it as it gets closer. But for our uh, employers with locations
2: in Illinois, uh, be aware that's going on. Okay, Bert, keep going. You're on the clock. All right. Next one is OSHA announces a very aggressive plan to address employer uh, workplace safety in 2023. Uh, OSHA, basically what they're saying here is they can issue instance by instance uh, uh, fines for violations of OSHA. On January 26, OSHA issued a press release uh, that said that their goal is to save lives, target employers who put profit over safety and hold employers to greater accountability. Uh, The bottom line with this new guidance is that uh, in general industry, so most businesses, general industry, agriculture, maritime, and construction industries, uh, OSHA is uh, going to be issuing these instance-by-instance citations. This will start on March 27th of this year, Uh, and what this means instance-by-instance is that for uh, situations that OSHA identifies as high-gravity serious violations of OSHA uh, that, the, uh, that OSHA can go ahead and issue these uh, fines and it relates to uh, lockout, tagout, machine guarding, permit required confined space, respiratory protection, falls, trenching and other cases with other than serious violations specific to record keeping. And what they are saying here is, is that uh, instance by instance citations should normally be based on consideration of one or more factors. And these factors are that the employer has received a willful repeat or failure to abate violation within the past five years. Uh, The employer has failed to report a fatality, inpatient hospitalization, amputation, or loss of an eye. The proposed citations are related to a fatality or catastrophe and that the proposed record keeping citations are related to injury or illness that occurred as a result of a serious hazard. I think that the bottom line here is is that what they're saying, I think is that, that
0: last one's the tough one, right? I mean, it's clear when someone has you know an injury with amputation hospitalized, loss of life or eye, but a illness or injury due to a serious hazard that the serious hazard bit that's the tricky one for me.
2: Yeah, for sure. and I think that uh what what they're really talking about here is is that it's going to be easier for OSHA to issue citations. Uh, on an instance by instance instead of kind of having to group uh, group injuries and uh, severe conditions. They're going to be able to go instance by instance, which just is another way of saying that OSHA is going to be uh, going to continue to be more aggressive under the Biden administration. Right. Absolutely. All right. Next one I want to talk about is uh, this one. I'll talk about really briefly. Congress eases criminal offense restrictions for employment with financial institutions. Uh, part of the defense bill that was signed on in, in, uh, in December of last year is a provision called, uh, is a provision that uh, is called fair hiring in banking. And what this means is that the, uh, is that now uh, there are less criminal convictions that would exclude people from being hired in the banking industry. Uh, like I said, I'm not going to talk about this in too much detail. If you are in the financial industry, just be aware that your ability kind of consistent with state law ban the box efforts, this is somewhat consistent and basically sets limitations on an employer to exclude people from working in the banking industry if they have prior criminal convictions.
0: Yeah. All right. All so right. The last sense. one I'm... More complicated to hire in certain industries gotcha
2: the 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 last one i want to talk about this one's pretty significant religious minorities right now are looking to benefit from a new accommodation test and there's a case that's up in front of the supreme court right now i do want to talk about this because i think this will have a significant impact there's a decades-old precedent out there that makes it relatively easy for employers to deny religious accommodation requests under a federal anti-bias law. You'll recall that during COVID, I had suggested that most employers should probably skip the piece of the analysis on whether the employee holds a sincerely held religious belief and get right to the accommodation question. Because under the accommodation question, uh, it's a pretty light standard that employers can refuse a religious accommodation if it imposes a minimal undue burden or cost on the business. So in this respect, it's a much lighter standard than under the ADA. Uh, The case that's in front of the Supreme Court involves a Christian letter carrier's challenge to the United States Postal Services, denial of religious objection to deliver packages for Amazon on Sundays. And this really could have a major impact on Uh, believers, especially of minority faiths, who are disproportionately more likely to file religious charges related to denied accommodations. And what they're looking at here specifically is whether the standard should be heightened uh, from that standard of minimal undue burden or cost on the business to more of a significant uh, undue burden or undue cost to the employer and this would make it look a lot more like the analysis that we go through under the ada so -hmm. this case is before the uh united states supreme court right now and i do think that if there's a change here this will impact employers fairly significantly
0: yeah interesting all right so lots lots going on Um, always we had a question here i think patricia is asking um as it relates to the the Illinois uh, 40 hours of leave. I think she's asking, isn't that after 90 days of employment? I didn't get to that part of it in particular, Bert. I don't know if that comes top to mind for you. Uh, I believe that's her question. If, if I didn't get your question right, Patricia, uh, resubmit that um, and tell us a little bit more about what you're asking. Yeah, uh, I'm not I'm quite sure. sure I'm sure there's something that qualifies it. What I remember reading is that how you earn it was so many, so much time per hour of work is what I thought I I saw in there. There was a, an earning schedule, but I don't reference. I don't remember referencing after 90 days of employment.
2: Yeah, I'm not recalling that either uh, right now. But um, yeah, I think we'll we'll learn a lot more about this law as it uh, as it comes to fruition. Uh, and gets closer to implementation next year. I am looking off to a side monitor to see if I can see anything about a 90 days uh, requirement here. Phil, I think what you're talking about is whether the employee uh, accrues the leave over the course of the year or whether the employer makes the decision to front load uh, the leave at the at the uh, beginning of the year. And I do see actually right now that uh, employees must be able to start using their paid leave after 90 days of employment or 90 days after the effective date of the bill, whichever is later. Uh, but employers do have the choice to allow their workers to use pay leave before that time.
0: All right. Well, that is good information for our listeners. Good stuff. Hopefully we uh... Probably saved you a little bit of money. We gave you some legal insight there, but not legal, um, proper, protected guidance. If you need more help, make sure you reach out to Bert, Tom, and the Ogletree family there and and seek the great assistance that they can provide. Okay, let's get on to Philbert's forum because I know Nick uh, is posing some questions to us. He wants to test our knowledge. So we got a question for all three of us here. We're going to see if we can get answers right. Nick, want to kick it off?
1: You've just entered Filbert's Forum, where we peel the onion back and take a lighter look at the workplace.
0: All right, I'm going to take the first question. Um, and Bert, you get a chance at uh, trying to guess the answer right here. Uh, so here's the question. And what you're trying to guess is, was this person hired or not hired? That's your options of answers. And here is uh the uh, the scenario. Hi, I have I last contacted you in February seeking work. Normally, someone of my experience and skill set would be employed immediately. I would like to discuss the reason I am still on the market, preventing wasting anyone's time. I'm a convicted felon in California, Georgia, and in federal courts. I am the victim in each case. Bert, hired or not hired?
2: uh in 2023 versus 2015 i'm going to still say not hired. All right, Nick, the
0: answer is not hired. All right. All right. Well done. All right, Bert. you of take course,
2: Of course, of course, of course, we 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 would have gone through our individualized analysis with these this employee gotten to the bottom of what the convictions were, the time since the conviction, uh the nature of the conviction and then determined whether or not that employee was suitable for employment
0: our This Week at Work listeners would be doing that. And we call of that course. the interactive process.
2: Individualized assessment. <laughs> Individualized assessment. Yes. There you go. All right, our- I'll take this one for you, Phil. How about this? After acting, the after acing the interview and shaking the hands of her potential new bosses, she turned to exit and opened the door. Instead of stepping out into the corridor, as she expected, she walked into a cupboard Instead of admitting to her mistake, she stayed in there. After a few minutes, the three interviewers opened the cupboard and asked her if she was okay. She said, yes, I was just exploring my potential new company, hired or not hired.
0: Oh, I'm putting myself in that spot. And I've been on some very crazy interviews, no doubt, in my my career. Someone walks out into a cupboard and then stays in there for a few minutes. I'm not hiring that person, Bert. I'm I'm just not. Um, I I can't I, I can't get my head around uh the goofiness of that. And and I just don't have time for that. Nick, the answer is hired.
2: Huh? Bill, right. I think I, I think that makes sense. I think if uh, if she laughed it off and joked it off and was honest with her employer and said, Oh my god, I was went into the cupboard, I'm so embarrassed. I just stayed in here that that might have shown a little bit of, uh, vulnerability and humor. So who knows? I really,
0: I really think it all depends on, uh, for me, it's like how she actually handled that if she, if she played it off. Um, but yes, I get it. All right. I got one more here for you, Chris. I'm going to have you join the fun. Okay. This one's for you. You are our hiring expert. We're going to have you, uh, talking with the group here in just a second. So no pressure here, Chris. Uh, This guy was looking for an an entry-level job as a junior software engineer after having just completed a coding boot camp with no real prior work history. The third sentence in his resume read, I look forward to raising the average intelligence of your company. He thought without having ever met anyone on the team that he was going to be more intelligent than half of them, hired or not hired.
3: Well, th- this one's interesting. So again, I'm going to go back as as an HR guy, right? And been practicing a while. I'm going to look back. All right, do you meet requirements? Let, let's look at that first. Uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that I'm not going to weed somebody out who may may meet some things, but, you know, coming in and an entry-level job, not much experience, and then adding in the, well, I'm going to raise the average intelligence. Um, I, I, I'm probably going to go with, I'm not going to hire this person yeah, uh, from that perspective.
0: You got it, Chris. You're a hiring right. expert. Yeah, but there's a little bit of arrogance there. I understand the fun part of that and the, and the confidence. And I've seen little statements like that in resumes. that, you know, personally, I, I, I really don't, I don't care for that. Um, um, when I'm looking in resume, but it is subjective, but I like how you answered it because we knew Bert was listening. Um, that's right. so great great well, job.
2: Well, in that respect, I I do want to point out, Chris, you you and I did really, really a good job there. We both got our answers correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly. That's, the that,
0: that's why I have you guys on the program. I mean, <laughs> come on. I'm not going to bring some lackeys on here. All right. Okay, well that's is uh, that's Philbert's form, Nick. Great job on that one. I enjoy it. Let's take a look at our poll results. What do we have uh, coming out so far? All right, so 334 percent say not uh, not enough talent is available, and then the next one is competing with other companies. And you know, I couldn't agree more. Those would be the the top two, Nick. I sent you a chart here. I want to kick off with Chris for a minute. Um, if you can pull that up. And anyone that's kind of been in any of my presentations recently, including the Ogletree um, labor law update that we did, I've shared this chart and it's, I I keep sharing it because I think it is so important for us to understand um, and it's not going to change, not not for 20 years, this is not gonna change. But basically, you know, we're just used to an expanding population between that uh, age group of 15 and 64 across the united states it's been expanding you know at a rate to 20 to 30 million people a year and we've been able to absorb that into the workforce and now we since you know 2020 it's been flattening to where it's only gonna expand 5 million over the next 20 years. So when we talk about there not being enough talent and the competition is getting tougher and tougher, um, this is the explanation behind that. And there's not going to be more talent and the competition's gonna continue to get tough. So Chris, I'm teeing it up for you here. um, as I wanna talk uh, with you and thank you for being on the program today to talk a little bit about sourcing. Because um, it's it's not something that most companies partake in, but it's a great way to help assist the recruiting process. So maybe you can just start, Chris. Um, for those of you that don't know Chris, he works uh, for us here at AIM. He is stationed in Indiana. He's a Michigan native. We won't hold that against him. He likes the big blue there. Um, but Chris, uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about what is what is sourcing and how is that different from a retained search?
3: So no, Phil, it's a good question. And sourcing first and foremost is you know going and finding candidates. It's not the, the post and pray, it's you know, post a job ad and, and, and hope we get candidates. Um, whereas that's like a recruiting, getting into managing a candidate. Sourcing is you got to go and find. Um, and, and there's different ways to do that. but you know when you get into when you get into recruitment and especially on the retain side where you're like all right it's one specific position we're going after uh, there, there's just different ways to approach it right you can be active you can be passive active meaning all right I'm going to go out there and use my tools I'm going to have a strategy around it uh, and, and really build what my company is looking for from uh, from, from that sourcing perspective. Um, passive side, I'm, I'm looking to go find people who maybe aren't looking in the market, which I can tell you today, there's a lot of, look at the unemployment numbers, uh, you know, as, as being pretty low, candidates can be very difficult to find. So using this passive sourcing technique um, can be can be very helpful, um, but it takes time. It takes time, it takes effort and resources within a company to really move forward with it.
0: So when we post and pray versus sourcing, with the, when someone engages with you and your team for sourcing, at that point um, there are several activities. What what kind of happens first? Someone says, "Hey, Chris, help us out with sourcing." What do we do?
3: Yeah, so the, there's a lot of questions that come up from from my side and and some and from our staff side. Um, really trying to gauge where are you at today because we want to meet you where you are. We want to have the discussion about, all right, what's been successful for you? Uh, What do you think you need? And then we're going to get into, all right, here's our process that we want to walk through. Do we have alignment with hiring managers? Do have we looked at education, experience? What is really needed for the job? Knowing that some of this can be difficult, especially in a specialized role, and then we're going to you know really get into looking at the job itself uh, with the hiring team. So a lot of times we work directly with HR leaders, directors, managers, but ideally we're talking to the hiring team. Who's the hiring managers? Who are some of the interviewers? We want to get to know the job just as much as internally they do and understand the role. From a sourcing perspective, that helps really pinpoint who we're going after and who you're finding, especially on the passive candidate side.
0: Now, sometimes when that happens, I I know from the experiences that that I've been in and conversations, sometimes what that does is it provides more focus. And, and at that point, that focus gets into little details that might be roadblocks in the candidate search. So sometimes I've seen it where someone says, do you really need a college um, graduate to do this role? Um, and through um, you know the interactive process and discussion, we we discover you know what we really don't need that. What we need is something other than that. And then when we go out and source and try and find that candidate that's kind of passive in the in the market, um, that opens up a market that the employer themselves haven't tapped into. One because they, they have a different set of criteria, and then two because most employers don't have the capacity. Uh, to go out and and seek passive candidates.
3: Yeah, Phil. And, and you know, directly to that, uh, the the organization has to be able to be with whoever's recruiting for them, uh, whether it's internal or external, almost a step back and reevaluate if they're not getting the candidate flow that that may be expected or anticipated because these roadblocks are in place. And those roadblocks being, you know, the candidates are looking at salary extremely close today. Uh, they're looking at what perks of the job there are, you know, is it remote hybrid, all those things are very much in play. And when we find uh, what we find works well is is really that consultative approach that comes through. So working with the HR leaders working with the hiring teams to give information back, right? Here's what here's where you're at with candidates, here's everybody we've talked to, here's the trends that we're seeing. And I can tell you every single recruitment that happens, sees different trends. Uh, whether it's salary, it's remote, it's you know what what time of day somebody's expected to work. all these things come into play. Uh, but it's it's having that uh, consultative nature to go back and share here's the information where we're at, where we are. What do we need to shift gears on? What do we need to change midstream in order to go and find the talent that's really needed? because sometimes and we just do this is um, the organization maybe doesn't even know what the the candidate experience is like or how many other opportunities a candidate may really be looking at. So we try to bring all of that back together during your recruitment. So it's, you plan up front, but you have to then readjust and reassess as you go through the process.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's great uh, insight is that you get some information back, right? When we're out and we're just posting and praying, we really don't get a lot of information. We just get some resumes maybe, or we get a lot of resumes, but maybe not the candidates we're looking for, but that's not the information that we need to manage our business so that is uh that's great insight and something that i know many people don't expect to get um but appreciate and then make uh adjustments to improve their business uh hey i want to say good morning to martin martin i haven't seen you join the chat for a while so thank you for being back patricia thanks for that clarity i see that there Um, and yes, it does accrue, and yes, they have to wait the 90 days as we've been looking at that, so thanks for that clarity as well. Chris, will you be in uh, St. Louis the end of next week? I know I'm going to be in Indianapolis and then back here in St. Louis for the summit. Are you here next week for the summit? I
3: I am trying to beat. My schedule's a little up in the air right now, but um, if everything works out, then I will be there for the summit.
0: All right, great. Well, he may be there for the summit. You can get more information from him. That is on Friday. Uh, at the factory here in Chesterfield Valley. We will be leading off with our first guest that morning will be yours truly, Bert Garland. Uh, so we'll see what kind of look Bert comes in with, that, that standard lawyer look or the mountain man look, uh, either one, we're gonna get great information from Bert. We're gonna have good music, pancakes, bacon, sausage, eggs, orange juice, coffee, um, it's going to be, you know, a fun environment. Any AIM event is always fun. At this point, we have about two hundred and seventy people attending. Um, it's um, far far better attended than it was last fall when we did it. Um, you can uh, still join and sign. That will be simulcast by Feature Group. They do a good job bringing it right to you if you're not able to make it in person and you're listening from afar. And I believe the price for that is only like $49 a head. I mean, you can't beat the price that's for a half bargain. day of learning. It is quite a bargain because um, uh, I, I know what your rates are, Bart uh, Bert. So I know the bargain that they're getting. Um, sure. So let's uh, let's also take into account some good practices people are following. After that, many of our um, members that are joining us are bringing three, four, or five people to the summit. And afterwards, they're doing some team building events and planning um, for their year for, you know, 2023. That's just some good practice that I've heard. I want to share that with anyone that is planning to attend. It's a good time to take the rest of the afternoon and then do some planning, maybe about what you've learned or what you know is in front of you to do. So with that, that wraps up this week at work. We will be back here next Thursday and we'll see you at the summit uh, on Friday. Take care. Be good to each other. Until then, bye bye.
1: Thank you once again for tuning into This Week at Work. If you enjoy the show, please share it with your colleagues. Forward our invites. Share the link, aimea.org forward slash This Week at Work, or follow or subscribe wherever you get your news and entertainment, like LinkedIn, YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you are. And you can be part of the show. Send your questions and comments anytime to info at this We'll see you next week, 7:30 a.m. Central time when we discuss what's happening this week at work.